Hey everyone, I am Reva and just want to take a moment and thank you for listening to our studio podcast. Although we are here in Greenville, South Carolina, we are grateful for your support to see the message of Jesus go out all over the world. In case you are not aware, we have a YouTube channel, which you can find the link in our podcast bio. We hope you enjoy this week's talk and it encourages you and it helps you to be the human God designed you to be. So with that, let's get right to it. Well, I'm really excited for today. We started a series last week, and we started it called The Life of Daniel. Part one was last week. Today is part two. And I think there's going to be four parts in total. So just, just, uh, just prophesying four parts. Um, it, it should be more, but I'm just trying to keep it somewhat uh, bite-sizable because there's so much content in the book of Daniel. And really looking forward to today, we're going to go into part two. And I recognize some of you were not here last week. And we, we started a series like, well, the goal is to go through the scriptures and to approach it by more of a study perspective. I, what I mean by that is less of a, a preach, an inspiring talk. There's definitely inspiring stuff in there. But we actually want to take our time and go through some of the scriptures in the book of Daniel and we broke it down last week, and we, we wanted to look for some insights and some takeaways. And honestly, my heart is to instill in each of you a desire to study the Scripture differently, more than just it being a daily devotional book. And so I hope that just taking the time to go through different passages, giving some context, and a quick review, as you can see on the slide, this is what we covered last week. It is on the podcast and it is important to listen to that, to fully continue to understand what we're going to tackle today and in the coming weeks. And the first thing we went over last time is we basically just talked about Daniel's life. And we talked about the book of Daniel. And the three sections in the book are this, introduction to the person of Daniel, which we met him last week. And I recognize some of you are familiar with the book of Daniel and others, it's a rather new person to interact with. But we met Daniel and the second part of the second section in the book of Daniel, it, we took a journey, the beginning of a journey in his character development. And also we begin to see the early stages of his development, of his ability to interpret dreams and some prophetic interpretation skill that God gave him. The other skill that him and his three friends got that we met last week as well is they got the ability to understand literature and wisdom. And what I want to, I just highlight that simply for this, those things are gifts from God. And we're going to continue to talk about those. These aren't things that you just stumble upon. These are things that God gives to you. And I want to just highlight that because in the New Testament, it talked about the gifts of the Spirit. And this is some of the early clues, if you will, of we see in this Old Testament story of these gifts that God gives to people to understand dreams, to understand literature, to receive wisdom, and to be able to interpret. And there's more gifts than that. But we see specifically around the gift of what we would call the prophetic gift or the gift of prophecy. We see the early stages of that or some of the early introduction of it resting on someone's life in the book of Daniel. So the second section of this book is its character development, but it's also his ability to interpret prophetically dreams and visions, etc., etc. The third section of the book of Daniel, which we won't spend a lot of time in, which is primarily chapter 7 to the end of the book, it's a series of visions about future kingdoms and future events. We'll cover some of them in the first 
sixth chapter, but we won't go into the exhaustive approach for the second half. That's another study for another time. And then we also highlighted that the book of Daniel is a great study companion to the book of Revelation. I, I know the young boy, Revelation was my favorite book because it was weird and eccentric, and I could never fully understand it, and I don't know if I even understand it any more than I did when I was a kid. But I, I love the weird eccentricness of of the book of Revelation. And how many were like that? Book of Revelation was kind of your jam. Well, book of Daniel is a great study companion because there are, there are similarities in the prophetic stuff that takes place in both books. And so if you want to study Revelation, make sure you have Daniel next door. And then if you want to study Daniel, you can, have, you can go even farther by looking at the book of Revelation. We took some time last week to set some groundwork and foundation to understand the culture that Daniel was in. It's a Babylonian context, and it's so hard for us in 2024 to fully understand the culture and the context that Daniel was thrusted into. And I love talking about culture historically because sometimes we elevate our own culture as the worst one yet. And I just want to propose to you, this paled in comparison the culture that you and I live in in America, even if you have strong conspiracy theories about everything on earth right now, you pick your worst scenarios, it pales in comparison to what was taking place in a Babylonian context. So just remember, and I think that's important because sometimes when we lack understanding and knowledge and information about history, we tend to make our experience the worst one or the best one. So that's why I'd like to take the time to look at some of the culture and the context to understand like, oh no, we actually live in a pretty beautiful time in human history today. But it also gives you the gravity of the depth of the complexity of what it was like to follow God in this context. And what excites me is Daniel proves it's possible. Daniel proves it's possible to follow God in an incredibly dark part of human history. And we're going to highlight that as we go forward. The next thing we talked about was favor follows obedience. Favor follows obedience. We also learned that God equips those who are obedient and faithful. There's some really simple points. And the last point that we tried to cover last week was this. Acknowledging that not everyone feels the pull to the degree that Daniel did to be in culture. However... I ask that we at the church, as a community, that we create room in our minds, in our heart, and our personal theology for Daniel to exist. It is vital we create space for them in our lives and communities so they can be Daniels in culture. But I would also add to that this week is don't remove yourself from being someone involved in culture. Believe it or not, you can't get away from it. As hard as you try, it will always affect you. And so it's important to understand these principles aren't just for someone else. You may not feel the pull to go into the darkness of a culture. You may not feel that, and that might not be your jam right now, but at least have a heart to understand you're actually called to influence and be a part of the culture you're in to see the kingdom come into that context. So if you're one degree or you are the ninth degree, you, you can work that out with God and the Holy Spirit. So don't remove yourself completely. But the thing that's really important to me, 
on top of all this is that we become a community of people that allow Daniel to exist in culture. I have seen this over and over where church communities see Daniel emerge and they send him out into culture. And because it doesn't make sense to you, we cut them off and excommunicate them. And so this is something that I'm hoping that we will build. Not hoping. I know we will build it. But I'm hoping that you come along for the ride to create a culture for Daniel to actually emerge. Can I get an amen for that one? Okay. All right. And then we have three goals for this series. The three goals are this. To understand God's view of humanity. To increase our understanding of his view of humanity. And the second one is to look at how God cared deeply about humanity. And how we can be a part of the missional approach that Jesus took when he interacted with humanity in his mission. And the third one, but not least, is why the conversation of Christians engaged in the depths and the corners of culture is important and vital. Those are the three goals at minimum that I have for this series that we're in. If you have your Bible, why don't you go to Daniel chapter 2. We're going to focus primarily on Daniel 2 today. I tried to squeeze three in, but I think your brains would explode. So I just said, you know what, we'll just save that for another week. And as you're turning to Daniel 2, get your apps open, your Bibles open, whatever, whatever device you have. We ended Daniel chapter 1 with this reality and this thought is that King Nebuchadnezzar looked at Daniel and his three friends, often referred to as companions in this book, and said, they are ten times better than all of my astrologers, all of my magicians, all of my sorcerers. They are ten times better. So that's where we ended, ten times better. So we see the elevation of Daniel and his companion are now elevated in the mind of a king that they are way better than everybody else that I have. So that's where we end. So we're going to jump into Daniel chapter 2, which is approximately two years later from Daniel chapter 1. Daniel, they say, was roughly, most scholars, a lot of scholars would say he was 17 years old when he was taken into captivity. So now he's around the age of 19. So just remember that. Do we have any 19-year-olds in this room? We have, no, we have like 18 and 20? We have 18? We have 18-year-olds. Okay. And 20-year-olds. We're missing the 19 crowd. What's going on here? That's a little, that's a little sad. We need more 19-year-olds. But you get the context. We're talking about a late teenager. This is who we're talking about. All right, so let's start in Daniel chapter 2, and we're going to start right there in verse 1. Now, in the second year of Nebuchadnezzar's reign, Nebuchadnezzar had dreams, and his spirit was so troubled that his sleep left him. Then the king gave the command to call the magicians, the astrologers, the sorcerers, and the Chaldeans to tell the king his dreams. So they came and stood before the king, and the king said to them, I have had a dream, and my spirit is anxious to know the dream. Then the Chaldeans spoke to the king in Aramaic, O king, live forever. Tell your servant the dream, and we will give the interpretation. The king answered and said to the Chaldean, My decision is firm. If you do not make known the dream to me and its interpretation, you shall be cut to pieces. And your houses shall be made an ash heap. However, if you tell the dream and its interpretation, you shall receive from me gifts, rewards, and great honor. Therefore, tell me the dream and its interpretation. We'll stop right there. Just, just take a moment and just sit in that reality for a second. 
I mean, you, you are excited that your empire is taken over and you have direct access to a king that you admire, respect. And this king has a dream. And I want, you, I want to highlight the dream part for a moment because the dream was so troubling that he couldn't sleep. So obviously, you know he woke up a little quite a bit agitated, actually extremely agitated. He made it so nearly impossible for his magicians and sorcerers. He said, I'm not going to tell you the dream. You have to tell me the dream. So we're talking a different level of prophetic insight. We're, we're talking about dream roulette. Uh, we're talking about we're talking about like just hoping you get it right, and and that's the context that we have here. What I want to highlight here is the whole idea of dreams. Dreams are are fascinating. By definition, dreams are images, pictures, words that happen in our mind while we sleep. I don't know about you, but I, I, I'm not a dreamer. But when I have them, they they have impact me. Dreams have that ability to impact humans. They're complex. They have the unique ability to get your attention. How many in this room have ever had a dream and it got your attention? What's even more interesting is there's people in this room, you've had a dream and it changed the entire course of your life. Not because of the dream, because of the decision you made after the dream. Like it was so impacted you that you changed everything and went left or you went right or you stopped or you went forward or you went up another level or you went, I mean, you just went in some direction. This is the power of dream. It had the ability to create unsettledness in your soul. It also had the ability to create a very settledness in your soul. It had an ability to create chaos in your mind. And it had the ability to bring just pure peace. That's the beauty and the chaos and the insanity of dreams. Dreams are, it can bypass your confidence and make all of a sudden make you feel not confident. Have you ever been so confident in life and you have a dream and you wake up and go, I don't even know what's going on. I don't even know who I am anymore. And it's just, that's what dreams do to your soul. They impact you deeply. It bypasses a lot of your capacities as a human and get to the essence of something else. It can also bypass your lack of courage and you become incredibly courageous because of a series of images and pictures you had while you were sleeping. I love how bad dreams, God never gives us bad dreams. And I'm not implying God gives you bad dreams, but he does give you dreams that aren't pleasant. That might violate some of your own beliefs on this. And do I think God creates fear and anxiety? No, I don't. But I think he warns you. I think he actually sends messages. So we have to be really careful that we don't translate everything as fear and anxiety. It may feel some unrest, but sometimes it's actually, hey, heads up. Heads up. And dreams, uh, dream can also be an emotion that you have that it needs the story to live within. And we always say, oh, I must have been the pizza I ate last night. But sometimes you have an emotion that needs a story, so your mind creates a story so it can live within, or else it just creates unrest in you. Dreams are, can also be an amalgamation of stress, anxiety, and fear. Dreams can be complex, 
they can be really wonderful. They can be foretelling. They can be helpful. They can warn you. You see, dreams are part of the human experience. And I want to just accentuate that as we get into this, because sometimes we skip over this part because Nebuchadnezzar had the dream. But we need to remember humans have dreams. And we also need to, re- I, you know, I've seen the most stubborn, focused, incredible leaders that are so focused on where they're going, but when they have a dream, all of that changes and becomes negotiable. And you're like, I've been telling you that for 10 years. <laughs> and you had an image in your sleep last night, and now you actually see what we've been trying to tell you for 10 years. Isn't that interesting, the power of dreams? You see, people rearrange their whole lives because of a dream. There are people in this room, you've done that. I just want to take a moment to say this, that there are humans in high places that are having dreams right now. There are leaders in high places, leaders that you love and leaders you wish were not there. They're all having dreams. Why am I pointing that out? I just want to highlight something. When we're talking about culture, you're going to be put into contexts and places that you don't resonate with the leadership. It just won't resonate with you. They'll have a different faith system, a different value system, a different set of morals, a different compass that guides them. And Nebuchadnezzar would be one of those guys. But yet God gives him a dream. And so instead of criticizing leadership, especially one that you don't resonate with, why don't you pray that there's someone like a Daniel to interpret the dreams for them? I want to highlight that I guarantee you right now, leaders across this world are having dreams, and they'll change everything because of a dream. They'll change everything because someone had a dream about them. That's how moldable we are as humans. We're longing for something, having a dream, and it affecting our lives is evident. And us making decisions to change our life, it's evident that we want something transcendent to guide us. We want something outside of our control to actually lead us and impact us and influence us. So in the context of Daniel, what we can see here, what an awesome privilege to be in a position in a Babylonian empire to be there when King Nebuchadnezzar need an interpretation. So I want to just inspire you at minimum today. Pray that you get opportunities to be around people to help decipher and understand these troubling dreams that people are having or confusing dreams that people are having. This is part of being in culture. You'll find as you get into the inner sanctums of individuals that are influential, powerful, they're all very human, just like you and me, and they're influenced deeply by dreams. So I want to expand your thinking. I want you to expand your thinking that we're not only here and to exist to help other Jesus followers understand the dreams. We actually are here to exist to help people that don't know God understand their dreams. This is part of being in culture. Interpreting dreams is something that God gives his people. It's important to know that everyone has dreams 
and not all dreams are meant to be responded to. In fact, there's a passage, don't turn, I'm just going to read it to you. In Deuteronomy chapter 13, verse 1, it says this, if a prophet or a dreamer of dream arises among you and gives you a sign or a wonder, and the sign or wonder that he tells you come to pass, and if he said, let's go after other gods which have not known and let us serve them, you shall not listen to the word of that prophet or that dreamer of dreams. So just a little line I want to add to dream. Not all dreams are meant to be followed. Not all dreams, even if there's so much evidence. So some of you are like, well, how do I know? That's a whole other conversation that we are not going to get into. I simply want to highlight that dreams are a part of the human experience. And Daniel plays an integral role in one of the most dynamic dreams in all of Scripture. And we'll get to that in just a moment. So Daniel chapter 2, verse 7 through 13, we're not going to read it, but it's basically a dialogue around King Nebuchadnezzar sends out a decree to kill all, all of the magicians, sorcerers, and wise men. Whenever you come across wise men in the book of Daniel, it equals, it means magicians of King Nebuchadnezzar's magicians. And so he sends out a decree to kill them all because none of them could tell him the dream. So the guy that's going around doing all the killing ends up in Daniel's house. And Daniel said, what's going on here? And Daniel now made aware, like, the king Nebuchadnezzar had a dream, and no one can tell him the dream, and therefore no one can interpret it. So Daniel finds out, I'm next in line to get killed. And Daniel says, hold on, give me a moment. And he runs to the king. He goes into the king, which gives you an idea of the access he had. Daniel had that much favor at this point where he had direct access to the king. So he goes in before the king and he says, King, I know you've had a dream, but give me a moment. Give me some time to actually go away because I can tell you the dream and I'll interpret it, which is ballsy. I mean, that is just, that is so bold. So go to verse 14. Then with counsel and wisdom, Daniel answered Arioch, the captain of the king's guard, who had gone out to kill the wise men of Babylon. He answered and said to Arioch, the king's captain, why is the decree of the king so urgent? Then Arioch made the decision known to Daniel. So Daniel went in and the king asked him to give him time that he might tell the king the interpretation. Then Daniel went to his house and made the decision known to his three friends, also known as his companions, that they might seek mercies from the God of heaven concerning the secret so that Daniel and his companions might not perish with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. Then the secret was revealed to Daniel in a night vision. So Daniel blessed the God of heaven. What I want to highlight in this passage here is you will see this repeated pattern in Daniel's life. When he came upon a complex situation, sought after God. When he came into this situation, didn't know what to do, he sought God. And I want to highlight that because people ask, how can you be a Daniel? Daniel always sought God. How can you be successful in a cultural context, a dark cultural context, is you seek God. It is a pattern in your life. This isn't just every now and then. It is a pattern of actually seeking God. So Daniel seeks God. God reveals to him the interpretation of this dream. And so by the time we get down to verse 31, or sorry, verse 24 for verse 30, 
Daniel shared the vision. He said, you've had this dream, and I have the interpretation. There is the God of all gods that revealed these secrets to me. And so we're going to read in verse 31 the actual dream the, and what took place. Your majesty looked, and there before you stood a large statue, an enormous, dazzling statue, awesome in appearance. The head of the statue was made of pure gold, its chest and arms of silver, its belly and thighs of bronze, its legs of iron, its feet partly of iron and partly of baked clay. While you were watching, a rock was cut out, but not by human hands. It struck the statue on its feet of iron and the clay and smashed them. Then the iron, the clay, the bronze, the silver, and the gold were all broken to pieces and became like shaft on a threshing floor in the summer. The wind swept them away without leaving a trace. But the rock that struck the statue became a huge mountain and filled the whole earth. So this is the dream. And Daniel shares this dream, which is miracle number one. Shares the dream. But then if you look at the actual prophetic insight of what's happening, and he interprets the dream, and the dream essentially in short is this. There are four kingdoms that are coming after you, and each one of them will fail and be destroyed, except the last one will come, and it will be established forever. So you may ask, well, what did that mean? So the traditional interpretation of these four kingdoms that is shared among Jewish and Christian expositors for over 2,000 years, it's this view. It identifies the four kingdoms of the empire of Babylon, Medo-Persia, Greece, and Rome. After Rome, when Jesus came during the Roman Empire, he established what we call the kingdom of God, which in this dream was the rock that destroyed the statue, the image. What I find so bizarre is God reveals his future to an evil king. I don't know about you, but that just strikes me odd. Like he didn't reveal the future of his kingdom to Daniel. He revealed the dream to an evil, wicked king. And then used Daniel to interpret the future. This is why it's crucial that we have some space to look at what culture is saying. You, will have, you have no idea how much culture is actually talking about a time that doesn't exist. It's actually painting a picture of the future. And the beautiful thing is God revealed this to King Nebuchadnezzar. It actually happened in the story of Gideon. In the story of Gideon, the enemy camp starts having dreamed and pictured the bread rolling down the hills. Like, what does that mean? And the Israelites heard that said, oh, that means we're going to win the war. I don't know how you get that, but that's pretty cool. What's my point? The enemy prophesied what God was going to do. Believe me, not all prophets follow God. I want to expand your perspective on culture. I want you to understand that culture is actually talking about what God wants to do on the earth. Culture is actually speaking of a time and here in this moment, imagine, I, don't, I, would, I can't wait to talk to Daniel, but I, I want to ask Daniel, what was that like to get this revelation? We're like, God, why did you reveal it to him and not me? Why did he have the dream and I didn't have the dream? Those are questions that I don't, don't know if I'll ever have the answers. But I want you to understand something, that God actually uses people that don't follow him to speak of what he's going to do. Okay. 
In verse 44, let's read in verse 44 of chapter 2. In the time of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that will never be destroyed, nor will it be left to another people. It will crush all those kingdoms and bring them to an end, but it will itself endure forever. So chapter 2, a lot of things going on here, but a thing, couple things I wanted to highlight, and one of them was that. This is actually one of the earlier promises of the kingdom of God coming to destroy all the other kingdom and to be the dominant kingdom in the end. And it came through a Babylonian king that worshipped a polytheistic reality of multiple gods and goddesses. And God spoke to him, and then Daniel was able to interpret the dream. So what can we learn from this chapter? So I want to address the first question, God's view of humanity. He actually speaks to all humanity. I want you to just put that down, write it down, do something with that. Just sit on that. When you drive home today, I want you to just think about that for a moment, that God is actually speaking to all of humanity. He uses people that you think God would never talk to. He uses people that don't even believe God exists. Just think about that for a moment. Somehow God's view of humanity is so different than ours. Like why would you give someone a dream about you that that person didn't even believe you exist? And what we learned, the king still doesn't believe that's the only God. He just adds him to the pantheon of gods. So I just find that amusing and a bit disturbing at the same time. So what it does for me, it expands God's view of, of humanity. He speaks to humanity. And he uses it to speak about his future kingdom. The second question I wanted to address in this series is seeing how God cared deeply about humanity and how we can be a part of his mission to humanity. In this story, we actually see God elevate Daniel and his friend in a culture that worshiped gods, many gods. So a part of our mission, God will elevate you. God will elevate you to a place, even in a culture that worshiped many gods, or has no idea there is anything spiritual or transcendent. God will elevate you. That's part of the mission that we have as humans in culture. It's faithfulness and obedience and resolving in our soul that we will not move off the topic of God. God will honor that faithfulness and obedience and he will elevate you. The second thing we can understand is that he revealed the secret to your dream and it only, not only saves Daniel and his three friends, it saves all the other magicians and sorcerers. You know, if I would God, I'd be like, this is a great time to get rid of all those guys. This is the chess move I'm going to make and I'm going to get rid of all the magicians and sorcerers. I'm going to clean them off and I'm only going to leave Daniel and his three. But God said, no, we're not going to do that. I'm going to allow Daniel to do what he does to save the magicians and sorcerers. You see, God deeply cares for humanity. When we think he wants to kill all of humanity, it is evident, and this is pre-cross. This is pre-death and resurrection of Jesus that God deeply cares for humanity, that he was willing to save them. And then the second thing, how do we be a part of his mission? To humanity is we seek God. It's a pattern and it's a habit in our life. We're constantly seeking the face of God. So the third thing, third goal I wanted to approach in this series is this. Why the conversation of Christians engaged in culture is important and vital. 
In this story, the king had a dream, and the timing of Daniel being there is essential. It's essential. And I want you to shift your heart. When you look at leaders, look at your boss. Some of you, your boss resembled Nebuchadnezzar to you. That's just a reality. But when you look at our world leaders, you look at leaders over countries, instead of criticizing them, just pray that Daniel's emerge around them. This is what we can do, and this is why it's important. And then the last thing I want to mention today is this. There are spiritual skills and gifts that God gives to reveal he is the king of kings. He's the God of gods, and he's the revealer of secrets. In this case, it caused Daniel to rise to a prominent place. And we're going to read in verse, um, let's see here. I just lost my spot. I apologize. It's actually in the very last couple of verses of the chapter. Well, they rose to become governors, and then Daniel, he sat in the king's court. So all of these steps, God is raising up Daniel in culture in prominent places. And so the last thing, God used the gifts on Daniel's life to elevate him to eventually sit in the king's court. So my heart today, that we understand God had a very different view of humanity than we have made him out to have. He actually deeply cares for humanity, that he will go to great length to save the ones, even the ones that don't believe he actually exists. So our heart needs to carry that wherever we go. And then I also want to put in you this desire to seek after God and this reality that we need to pray that Daniel exists around leaders that lead our nations, our states, our cities, that our global leader, that Daniels are around them because they are having dreams right now. I guarantee you, every conflict in the world today, the Middle East, Ukraine and Russia, and throughout the continent of Africa, those leaders and humans are having dreams. And we need Daniels to be around them to interpret those dreams because we change our lives because of dreams. All right, why don't we stand? Thanks for listening to today's talk. If you're interested in learning more about Studio here in Greenville, you can go check out our website, studiogreenville.com. And you can give us a follow on Instagram. Our handle is studio.greenville. Have a great week.